Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea, he's here. I'm here. Yeah, and there's no Joey D's, but Wayne. it's still Wednesday. Yeah, I'm running the boards, and we're going to have some fun talking comic books with Mr. BJ Shea. We're going to get into Miss Marvel. I want to get BJ's thoughts on that. We're all going to nerd out about Obi-Wan, and then BJ's also going to talk about love, death, and robots. Oh, yeah. And the man who fell to Earth, probably in that order. Also, we'll get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. Or just search BJ Shea's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Yeah, so many ways to get a hold of us. And if you want to send us an email, maybe you got a question for the group, or maybe you yourself have some recommendations, whether it be comic books, television shows, movies, board games, video games games, all the stuff that we cover, hit us up at bjgeeknation at gmail.com. Now, it is comic book day, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about comics, especially with our biggest comic book reader over here, Mr. BJ Shea. Well, What you been you. reading, man? Well, I've been reading my, my, my normal, and I'm going to have to find something else to read because of the fact that if somebody has any suggestions, uh, you know, I like the sci-fi, I like the superhero. <laughs> if uh, somebody has any suggestions, because one of my books is uh, has officially run out, we'll talk about that very, very soon, Ooh. Uh, as they had their last issue. Uh, but I've been reading the Fantastic Four, and, I, uh, you know, look, man, uh, Dan Slott. Uh, you know how much I loved him during his run on Spider-Man, yep. and I read every bloody issue. And when I find, <laughs> I went and got back issues because I just loved what he did with the character. Dan gets it. Uh, he's given me the Fantastic Four as I remember them. They're just, they're just, they're Imagineers. They're adventure. They're, they're just adventurers. And um, yeah, there's trouble a brewing because uh, there's a bunch of alien warlords known as the Reckoning, and they yeah. basically are super, super powerful. And they've kidnapped the Watchers. You know what? You can't they, kidnap the Watchers. They've even got like uh, the. I guess there's a special what if sort of world they have where it's the world where he sits and where we saw in the in, in the series where he gets to hang out and do his what ifs. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's a special place where they can see other realities. And these guys have kidnapped that real, or they're trying to take it over. And every Marvel hero you can think about. And of course, I love that the She Hulk makes uh, She Hulk's making appearance since we're going to see her soon in yeah. Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, everybody's over there, uh, including a guy, if you don't remember, the Jack of Hearts. There's an old guy you haven't heard of in a while. I've never heard of that one. Well, he's a guy <laughs> that's got certain kind of energy. Uh, Reed has absorbed all of the intelligence of the Watcher, Uatu, who was the original Watcher. Yeah. And the guy who uh, I, that we know from the, the TV series. And um, he's going to die because you're, no human being is meant to do that. It's not looking good, but uh, Dr. Doom has somehow figured some stuff out, and he's entered the fray, and because of his magical abilities, he's been able to do things he's not supposed to be able to do and help out, I guess. <laughs> the thing uh, with Dr. Doom, I feel like if, I mean, and just the way that you, like, Dan Slott understands the Fantastic Four, I feel Dr. Doom would save Reed Richards just so he can be the one to screw over Reed Richards hmm. later on. Like, I'm going to save you just so I can be the one to ruin you later. 
the, the you know the when the best way that Doctor Doom is written is if he really believes he's the hero of the story. Yeah, and yes. you know he believes he's been wronged his whole life, and everybody else is just an a hole, and including Reed Richards, who he believed, you know, really sabotaged the experiment. I think in his mind that it disfigured him and turned him into what he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though you know Richards is like, dude, I tried to help you out. Uh, you know, I'm the one that told you your equations were wrong. I think they were. They were probably right, and you made. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of dirty. Yeah, right. You know, and yet, <laughs> and Doom definitely is a super narcissist, but he does things that are other people can't do because he yeah. thinks the way he thinks. And so he's been able to do some outsmarting of these, this massively more powerful force. And he's pissed them off a little bit. He's like, Oh yeah, you think I want to do this, but I'm doing, I do what I won't, you know, well, kind of and attitude. I mean, like one of the best portrayals in recent years. And I mean, this is still probably, gosh, I think maybe six years old at, at this point, but God emperor doom and secret wars mm. was so good. Yes. And I really loved what he did because it encompassed his narcissism. But also, he was able to save like all of all of the realities with what he was doing because he's so freaking brilliant. Yeah, he's so doom. Uh, he, <laughs> he basically was pissed at the Human Torch for sleeping with his bride to be. Oh yeah, so oh yeah. He, you brought he, that up. I remember you talking about that. So, uh, but how about the curse that he does uh, with the torch, turning him into basically a human son that can't shut off? ends up being very helpful against these big bad guys who are like, holy crap, you are like, you have the power of the sun. How is this possible? That's hilarious. Uh, we got the Silver Surfer showing up. There's oh. a version, there's supposedly a version of Galactus that's on the way, but it's a different version that's kind of even worse. So this is good stuff. Fantastic Four style, which I am so happy that Dan Slott is helming this. I have no, I I keep counting going, okay, is he going to be next issue? Is it going to be next issue? Because you just don't know when a writer says, I've had enough, and it's it's been about three and a half, I think, almost four years now wow. that Dan's been doing this. Um, and uh, it's good. So that's the that's the latest issue of Fantastic Four. Spidey, I've been reading Spider-Man. And, uh, well, poor Spider-Man. Uh, Zeb Wells is now doing the writer, uh, the writing. Uh, John Romita Jr. Uh, John Romita, of course, his dad was a big, big Spider-Man dude and a great artist for Marvel. And then, of course, his son followed in his footsteps. And now his son's probably, like, you know, an older guy, too, these days. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, bad news for Peter Parker. He and MJ are no longer a couple. Again? Sorry. Yeah, come on, right? Uh, Bad news for Spider-Man. He thought he was doing a good thing, getting involved in a gang war, turf war situation, and uh, Tombstone is like, no, dude, you know what? You're making my you're making my life just miserable. And so Tombstone traps Spider-Man in a situation where now he's just beaten the living daylights out of him. It's not good. It doesn't look good for our webbed head hero, that's for sure. I love Tombstone. He was a good ground level bad guy, just like just really menacing like i remember him from the old 90s comics man yeah and he's uh he's you know they're giving you more of his backstory and here's the funny thing tombstone's daughter who's also a super villain is marrying wants to marry joe robertson's son robbie robertson and tombstone's not happy about that of course but uh <laughs> they're in love and and tombstone and joe have been enemies because joe wrote a lot of stuff at the daily bugle about well what a piece of crap tombstone was <laughs> and, 
And you thought the Tombstone <laughs> came to an agreement that, okay, I'll let your kid marry my kid. But in this latest issue, you find out that, no, he's not happy about this. What? A bad guy's going to go back on a deal? Come yeah, he's, on. He's not happy about it at all. Um, <laughs> and then finally, uh, as I said, I need a new book to read because uh, Oblivion Song came to an end. Another uh, Kirkman prod, uh, product coming to an end, like an actual finale? Yeah, seven years, he said, this has been in his life. And wow. I, I, I don't know if it's been, you know, from making it to putting it out. Because I'm like, have I been reading this comic for seven years? It seems like it's been a while, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, of course, there were lots of delays because of COVID and everything. Um, but it was a very, it was a really good ending because it looked like it ended with last issue where the good guys won. But this issue, you got to see that, uh, well, just because the good guys won, then again, are the good guys really the good guys? Uh, and uh, spoiler alert, I'm talking about humans. Are we good guys? No. No. Uh, <laughs> Quick answer, yeah. no. Uh, so, um, and he also lost his brother. Uh, and it's it, it, and, oh, and wow, they, yeah. they gave a wonderful backstory to how the brother took care of him, the, who was the protagonist of the story. Uh, and... You, 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 so it really, it was one of those things where you go, wow, this death is even more uh, powerful. And now I know why he was, he, he was so adamant to go to this other world and try to rescue his brother, who he thought was lost for the longest time. And everybody said, your brother's dead. Stop it. Stop wasting resources trying to get over to this other world. Yeah. And, um, but it's a, you know, Robert hinted, as I read their goodbyes, Robert hinted, like, well, who knows if this is the end or not. You may see this in another form. And I'm like, well, I've talked before how Oblivion Song, which has got this Cthulian feel, mm-hmm. uh, they've already done, like, three of his shows. Uh, three of his books have become shows, whether live action or animated. Yeah. Um, I feel like this, the way this ended, this would be a great miniseries, Oblivion Song. Um, I don't know if a movie would do it justice, maybe, but I think it would be a better miniseries. And I, I, I hope it gets picked up because I think it's a story that a lot of people would love. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's well done. And, of course, human beings who look like they're the ones really being victimized turned out to be uh, the a-holes of the story. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look at that. That seems kind of consistent. Yeah, uh, it's a good book, and the art's great. Uh, You know, uh, Oblivion Song, Lorenzo Di Felici uh, is such a fun artist. You you know, it's a style you just don't see a whole lot. And, Rev, you've seen pictures of what he's done with this Cthulian world that he created. so fantastic. I don't know what's next for Robert Kirkman, but the dude knows how to write stuff. Uh, (laughs) And um, So I need a new book. Um, you know, so if anybody's got any ideas, then unfortunately, uh, the book I was reading by uh, John Lehman, the science fiction one, Outer Darkness, got canceled, and I'm yeah. so bummed because I was so like loving that storyline. That was such a cool like yeah. like as it started going. Like I was really into that one as well too. Yeah, but you know, I mean, and, and, and look, it, it also bothered John too, and and I don't blame him because it was it, it was great. I you know, but mm-hmm. COVID wrecked everything. It really just did. Yeah. Um. So if anybody has a, a good sci-fi or superhero thing that they go. Oh, BJ, this sounds like it's up your alley. Somebody recommended Ascend a Descender to me, and it was one of my favorites. And yeah. that series is done too. Boy, that's another one that I hope they make a show about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's your that's your comic book update. Nice, thank you so much on that. Now let's talk about what we've got on Disney Plus, and we'll start off with Miss Marvel. I know Vicky has been really deep into Umbrella Academy at this mm-hmm. point, and I've been really suggesting this one to her. I've been telling her you need to watch it. You need to watch I it. I was, but somebody at Netflix decided to drop it on the Wednesday when I. 
I was going to watch Miss Marvel, so yes. blame them. <laughs> so, yeah, so Miss Marvel, as of this recording right now, they're entering their fourth episode. I've seen up to three episodes. How many of you ended up seeing, BJ? I, uh, I haven't seen the, the latest one. I've got two under my belt. Okay. Uh, plan to get that done, but like Vicky, you know, uh, they dropped Umbrella Academy, so Miss Marvel, <laughs> I still have I still have a Strange New Worlds that I must watch. Wow. And, and I still have an Orville that I must watch. I'm so backed up because I'm loving Umbrella Academy so oh, much. Oh, and Westworld. Uh, Oh, in Westworld, On yeah. Sunday. So sorry right. about that. That, uh, that uh, <laughs> I haven't got to that either, but well, it's on the dang DVR or my HBO Max. I tell you. Well, Miss Marvel is a six-part miniseries, sort of what they've been doing with a bunch of the other shows out there. So maybe you can just wait and watch them all to the end. It's up to you on that aspect. I do want to get your first impressions about the uh, first two episodes, though, because it is a different style of show than a lot of the other superhero shows that we've been seeing on uh, Disney Plus. Well, first off, I'm going to say this, and maybe it's because there's a budget or maybe in and therefore they can get better writers, uh, maybe because it's only six episodes. But, you know, this is basically a bunch of teens. Mm-hmm. And you know how much I just just go, I don't want teen stuff, you know. From, yeah, we just talked know, about from, the CW stuff yeah. on the last episode. So you th- I should hate this, but it's done in a way yeah. where, yeah, they have teen angst, but I relate to a lot of these characters. Um, um, and of course, the the you know, if you don't know much about uh, you know, uh, like make like anything in, in the world of of Muslim tradition or Pakistani tradition, uh, you know, it's wonderful because you you know, there's representation there. Uh, my wife is a huge fan of of Indian culture, and so there's a little bit of a crossover, and so I recognize some similarities oh, nice. watching her interact with her family, and I smile because you know it is, uh, you know, so, so so much I've seen of that tradition. Um, and uh, Iman Vellani, who plays uh, Kamala Khan, uh, Kamala Khan, yeah. is just so delightful. How do you not yes. like her? It's it's absolutely. I mean, you know, some people just have that star power, Rev. You know, where you go, gosh, they're just they they they're just made for the screen, and. I don't know. Everything that she does, you just go, I like this kid. You yeah. know what I mean? You go, I like this kid. She's got such a lovable looking face. She really yeah. does. And like her energy for this show is perfect. Like she was a fan of Captain Marvel before she got cast as Miss Marvel. And it really shows with the stuff that she's been doing. Like, like it genuinely feels like she's a fan of the Marvel Universe while being in the Marvel Universe. Like you seeing, you're seeing a fangirl who wants to be a hero and is now getting that wish and then getting that the, the like you even talked about like I mean just like the, the, the teen issues of like oh is this really what I asked for or even the Peter Parker syndrome of like well now I've got these great powers obviously there's a great responsibility but also how do I confront my parents with this who have very traditional values yeah it's and, and Vicky you know this having uh, you know whatever being you're a first generation kid mm-hmm. and you know I, I I don't and her parents in this show are, are not first so I, I don't know if you call it second generation I don't know what you call them. What were uh, their parents the immigrants? No, no, they were. Uh, no. no, her parents were the immigrants. Okay. Yes, yeah, they're yeah. the ones that came over. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, second generation, whatever. But the idea that you have that, the, yeah, that culture problem because they're here, they are in America. Yeah. But they also want to raise their kid as they would from their home country. But at the same time, the kid's like, hey, all I know is America, so this is my culture. I mean, I'm happy to honor your culture too, and you know, which is the way parents raise their kids. But she's definitely trying to figure it out and. And her friend, also her best friend, is also trying to figure it out. And I, I think it's uh, 
Oh, I, Najma, oh, not, no, Nakia, uh, who's yeah. played well by Yasmin Fletcher. Yes. Uh, lots of stuff covered on this show, Rev, that I love mm-hmm. that, you know, if anything is going to be educational, will bring us together. And I love that about this. And, um, Gosh, I just, you know, I'm, you know, and of course I, I relate to her buddy, you know, the dude, her Bruno? best friend, Bruno, who we don't or, talk about him, but we're going to. Uh, we shouldn't talk Cam, about Bruno. As yeah. Cameron calls him, Brian, every yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know. I, um, that doesn't stop, by the way. Yeah, this, yeah, and I'm Bruno. I am so Bruno, like, wow, the girl that I really want doesn't notice me at all. Well, congratulations uh, on getting accepted yeah. to Caltech. Yeah, exactly. I'm in the friend zone, and now I got this thing where they're going to send me out of town because I'm pretty brilliant. Um, yeah, and my Rev, I will tell you, I have a there's a there is a scene that I want to cosplay. I wonder if you know what it is. I'm oh. an old guy. It's the only thing I could ever cosplay, and it was in this show, and it was one of the most hilarious, also slightly heartbreaking moments of Ms. Marvel. Oh, no. Which one? So she wanted to go to Avengers Con. Yes. And, of course, her, fam- oh. her family is just so much like wanting to protect her. We don't want you to be out in those evil American elements kind of attitude. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. I mean, you know, compared to where they come from, there's a lot about American culture that's very decadent, and they don't want their kid lost in that. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, but they eventually go, well, we'll come up with a happy medium. Now, she already has her costume ready, and yeah. she's, all about, she's all about Captain Marvel, but the mom went and made a, a, a Muslim traditional-looking uh, outfit that maybe the Hulk would wear, yes. and then the dad had a matching one. Dude, and he, he, oh, he, he painted so himself great. green, and he looked oh. so fantastic, and he was, again, yes, it was like, it's like super funny, but also, yeah, heartbreaking to obviously see when a teen girl shoots you down as a dad. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of brutal when it comes down to that. And yeah, like the dad is one of like the whole family is actually like very nuanced. Like they really get into the family dynamic in this show, which is something you don't necessarily expect because most of the time in these superhero shows, these people don't have parents mm-hmm. or they'll have one one or the other or like an aunt taking care of them. This is a full family that she has to deal with. So it's a new aspect of the superhero genre that we're not all really that familiar with. Well, not even just superhero genre, like in every kind of genre, when you think about the animated, like when you were talking about her life and everything, what it's like being a teenager, made me think of Turning Red. Oh, yeah. She has both her parents. It's A lot of these shows, you know, like you think of all the Disney princesses, they're either missing a dad or a mom or both. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Turning Red, we're getting more and more of the parent thing and the generational trauma is now the new enemy, not sung... (laughs) Some oh villain gosh, yeah, with right. an awesome villain song. Uh, it is generational trauma. Now and I think uh, I think Vicky's hit on something, Rev, yeah. because obviously the great grandmother uh, is uh, is the one that's the gen- that there's generational trauma around yes. the great grandmother. Yes, Vicky, I actually think of you because I think of what she's going through, trying to let her like have her parents just let her be a kid, like like let her be part of this culture. And I remember the stories you told mm-hmm. about you trying to be part of this culture, and your parents were like, "Oh no, you're going to do things the way." we did it when we lived in in mexico mm-hmm. and i'm thinking this is this is cool there's probably a lot of people that have that where they came over here and they're first generation kids but their parents came from another country and like how do i live these two lives uh you know like make everybody happy in the old country and my parents but also like i want to be like in american culture because i'm an american i was born here uh you definitely feel like you're getting pulled in two directions and, and you're really not yeah not sure what you're supposed to be 
Yeah, she's and that's what's happening for her, and she's forced to make choices. Um, the first two episodes were enjoyable. Rev, I heard the yeah. the third episode. You were kind of like eh. the third one. The third one is getting more into her backstory, and it, which is fine, and I'm okay with. There have been some people who have said there's some issues with that on the internet, but again, like as we stated, a lot of the times people are really you know not really happy about something on the internet, so they'll complain. So I'm not necessarily I'm not privy to that. I just felt that this episode had some pacing issues. Things were explained probably a little too quickly and in kind of strange aspects. So it was one of those things that was a little off-putting for me. And I'm going to have to see what happens since this is only a six-episode miniseries that I think they're just trying to get to that point and they're hitting that halfway point and they're realizing that they need to push this forward. So I'm hoping it kind of evens out in the next couple of episodes. I still liked episode three. There was just a couple of points. And I mean, they're pretty glaring when you can watch something and be like, why, why is that happening? Oh, you need you, you need information. You need an info dump right now. Okay, fine, whatever. And just kind of how they're getting to certain points a little quickly. I'm hoping it self-corrects itself, so I'll have to see what happens with it. But by and large, I'm still really, really liking the show. And the cast is great. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, Yusuf, of course, uh, uh, played by Mohan Kapoor, who's the dad. Is so, he's so good. Uh, Zenobia Shroff, got to give her a shout-out as Maniba, the mom. She's yeah. terrific. As And, and her brother, you know, uh, Amir, played by Sagar Schalk. And then, of course, Rish Shah, who plays Kamran, who is basically the stud of high school, who <laughs> who basically is just making poor Bruno cry. because The most beautiful man in high school. He's the most beautiful man in high school. He's got the most beautiful car in high school. And he seems to be a good dude. And as we find out, even more than just a good dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, this is all very. It's a, it's 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 got me. It's yep. got me hooked. It's a fun show. That's I wasn't awesome. sure about Ms. Marvel, uh, and of course she's going to show up in the in, in the next uh, Captain Marvel movie. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, I, I, I love what Disney's doing. I love this Phase 4. We're still in Phase 4, right? I think we're yes, still in Phase Yeah, we're four. still in yeah. Phase 4. We haven't been announced Phase 5, and apparently that'll be coming up pretty soon. Uh, well, I want my Phase Fantastic 4. What's that happening? Well, you'll have to. <laughs> you're going to have to wait a little bit on that. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. But Disney Plus is still putting out other shows that just wrapped up right now is the big one, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Episode 5 got to show me how awesome... Darth Vader really is when he was able to force hold an entire starship. That was like one of those moments where I was like, I'm getting goosebumps right now because of how badass that was. And I'm glad they did that because the fact that uh, Ray could do it, people were pissed off and it's like, okay, well, you know, it's at least Mm -hmm. at least they're showing, hey, you know what? It could be done by the best of the best. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and which means Palpatine could do it himself. Therefore, you know, I mean, and this in uh, this episode really, I mean, for episode six, the finale, it hit all the notes for me. It, oh yeah, it like I mean, sure, people can complain about whatever's going on, but there were there was action in it. There was resolution to the story that they were putting out there uh, for all the characters. And I just, I loved every part of it. I loved the fact that you got to see Obi Wan and Vader fight Duke and come together out. and yeah and just get into it and have yeah, a knockdown really drag fight. out yeah. yeah a really good fight because obviously the you know back in episode four they just didn't have the choreography or the ability and also you know i mean alec guinness was Older, an old guy yeah 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 they, i mean they, they you know it, so i'm happy they did it because really 
it gave me the fight that I always wished episodes four Dude, or four's fight yes, was. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I really, really. So yeah, I know that you've got to suspend a little, uh, you know, disbelief, if you will. And, and Vicky, you've talked about it before. I mean, with all the stuff that goes on in a sci-fi show, really, you have a problem suspending disbelief. Uh, <laughs> beat me up, Scotty. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and people have complained. The complainers are always going to nitpick. I looked at it like, look, they they gave me a story that I really, really am happy about. And, yeah. y- you know, they made enough connections in this last episode where I can draw my own conclusions for when she, you know, in episode four, gives gives the message to Obi-Wan. And you're, yes. you're my only hope. And, uh, you, you know, it's there are people like, well, she should know him, but they should have been a lot more buddy-buddy. And, you know, I mean, all of this stuff. And I'm like, well... I mean, it was, what, 10, 15 years later when he finally encounters her again. However, I mean, she's 10 and she's probably in her 20s when he meets her again in episode four. So that's a long time to all of a sudden go, I'm going to be real buddy-buddy with somebody when you were a kid. Because sometimes kids kind of forget you and don't, you know, they're not going to come run and hug you like that. They just, people forget that. So I, I liked how they did it. And I'm happy we got to see Luke. I mean, you know, yeah, I thought, yeah. are they going to show us this kid at all? And <laughs> is there going to be, you know, is Owen going to still be a douche? By the way, <laughs> I love Baru because yeah. Baru looked like she was the one that all, even in a small amount of time in episode four, Baru was like, Owen, you're kind of a douche. Come on. I mean, you know, you, and so I love that they had her be the one that go, you know what? We're going to protect this kid. I thought that was brilliant writing because that's a nuance you kind of got from episode four that Baru was really the one with the ball in the family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How'd you feel about the show, Vicky? I very much enjoyed it. Like, I, little Leia is, stole my heart for sure. What an yeah. amazing little yeah. actor. Oh, but I, I really love, though, during the fight with uh, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Like, okay, so you couldn't do Darth Vader without James Earl Jones' voice. And if you're going to be bringing back Hayden Christensen, yeah, they did the flashback, but... I was kind of hoping to see him, what he would look like as Darth Vader now yeah, and hear him. So I loved when his helmet at the end kind of got all mangled up. So you kind of got that mix of James Earl. both of them? Yes. It was so good. I was just like, okay, cool. This is kind of what I wanted just because it's hard to really believe it's Hayden Christensen in there when James Mm -hmm. Earl Jones. Uh, Especially since we've heard James Earl Jones in so many other things between like The Lion King and I'm thinking Coming to America. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) I love that movie. But yeah, the, yeah the, I love the, that. Yeah, you know what? I think the biggest mistake that George Lucas did is somehow he forgot how to write as if Darth Vader was speaking when Hay- with, with Hayden's lines, because it sounds like a different guy. Not It's just the way he speaks. He mm-hmm. sounds more confident. He sounds more eloquent. Yeah. Whereas when Hayden spoke, he sounded like an idiot a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's not that he shouldn't be a young person who's impetuous. It's like, George, you're writing like there's two different people. And that, to me, has always been a failing with George Lucas. It's like, you just don't know how to write dialogue. Whereas, I think they fixed it a little bit here. Where, when Hayden spoke, I felt like, okay, he sounds a little more like Darth Vader. uh, As far as how he's saying, like what he's saying. Um, And that was always the disconnect for me with episodes one, two, and three. Is It was such a disconnect. Um, And I think they fixed that pretty well. Because it is the same guy. You know, uh, it's just... And I love that he's not quite as powerful. Uh, when you think about it, he's still not quite as powerful as he was when we met him in episode four because he's yeah. still got his ass kicked. And I love that finally they gave Obi-Wan, like the reason Obi-Wan, just he just didn't care anymore. He just didn't have passion 
uh, in order. And I think that's a big part of being a Jedi and having the force work through you is that you have to care if you don't care. And then eventually he did. He eventually cared, which is how I think he was able to get stronger again. Oh, speaking of getting stronger. What do we think about that cameo at the end? Right? Yeah. We knew, well, I, I would be so disappointed if it Same. didn't happen. Yeah. yeah I would have yeah. been like, are you kidding me? The, the, somebody can get this guy in a green screen room somewhere <laughs> and put a wig on him. Somebody, come on, Liam Neeson. You've got a certain set of skills. You had to be in this. Liam Neeson is in, like, I feel like he'll do anything. Like, yeah. he's friends with Seth MacFarlane. Like, he's done, like, he was on an episode of The Orville. He's done he Family like Guy. He was I in Ted. Yeah. So I'm like, come on, you can't go back to Star Wars. <laughs> nope. Yep, he did, and, and I, he did good. I, I love the interchange between the Emperor and uh, Vader. As yeah, uh, is now you see why he stopped hunting Obi Wan because yeah. the, the Emperor was just like, dude, what the, you know what this does? What are you doing? Yeah, I and feel exactly. Like he, and it was it was echoing what the Grand Inquisitor had said on the bridge too when he went to go chase Obi Wan. It's like this is not what we're doing. For, you know, this is not what we're doing. But it wasn't the Emperor saying it, so he's like, whatever, I'm going to do what I want. I'm Vader, and so he ended up following him and got him through in that mess that he already had and got him his big loss right there when it came down to it. His big second loss when it came down to being against Obi Wan, and yeah, it took Palpatine to be like. I think you're putting your stuff, you know, you're putting all your eggs in one basket here, buddy. And just uh, maybe you need to move on from it. You're like, he's like, yep, it's gone. And we haven't seen the last of Reva because she has knowledge about the boy being Vader's kid. Yeah. And maybe even also, I don't know if she has knowledge about Leia, but she definitely has knowledge about Luke. And she's alive. So I wonder what part she's going to play before we get to Rebels. Yeah. Or Rogue One, I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't believe we've seen her anywhere in any Star Trek, uh, any Star Wars production. I don't think so, yeah. So how they're going to weave her into, we've got so many different shows coming up. You know she's got to be a character. She's going to go back to being some kind of, I don't know, maybe she'll be like Ahsoka where she's just, I'm not a Jedi, I'm not a Sith, I'm just me, or, who has the ability to you know do some cool stuff. Or she might kind of take uh, along the footsteps of, uh, I think, Tava, uh, who was helping all the people kind of get across. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with, uh, with her character as the Rebel Alliance is going to start building. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. and that's, uh, and, and I know she's not going to make it. I feel like we're going to see a great death scene from her in something because she won't make it because we don't know her in Rogue One. Yeah. We've never heard of her at all in any of the shows. So I, I, you know, so I think she's probably going to die before, you know, Luke is, uh, you know, recruited to the process. It would make some sense on that end. I mean, we know that, like, so I think we talked about in a previous episode that we assumed she was one of the kids that got away yeah um my think what did you guys think of the reveal like when it came out like that she was actually hunting not uh working oh, with oh vader. hunting vader uh i thought that was a good way to do it mm -hmm. and then also even with vader's turnaround like knowing the whole time He's i like, thought that was really good too mm -hmm. it's like psh, like you didn't think i knew that of course i knew that you dummy <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy he knew that. I was going to be ticked off. Yeah, I, I was mean, really going to be. I was ticked off by the fact that that he was she was allowed to kill the Grand Inquisitor. Now that makes more sense to me because yeah. I was. And I think a lot of people had a problem with that. They thought she was like a Mary Sue. And now I think, and this is why I will tell some of those folks that complain on the internet: you need to watch the whole show. <laughs> it yeah. turns out she wasn't a Mary Sue at all. It turns out she was a pawn. Yep. And uh, and plus, if you had watched the uh, animated shows, you know mm -hmm. that uh, the Grand Inquisitor was around, so you know he's not going to die. <laughs> uh, you know, so. Um, 
Yeah, so it was well done, and some people just want to bitch, and yep, you know, because yep, yeah. and that's because they just don't like it. People just there are people I know. I have friends that do not like certain management at Disney, and it doesn't matter what Disney does now until those managers are gone. And I'm like, okay, well, congratulations of never being happy, <laughs> uh, right? Well, you know what? I was happy with Obi Wan, and I'm glad that they're going to do it. I know even Hayden Christensen says it was a self encompassing story, but he would like to revisit at some point. And as long as they're down for it, I would. Love it, man. Yeah, he was. I really liked him in this a lot, I, and I'm glad for Hayden. You got right. a redemption, it, it, man. It was a web redemption. If only Jar Jar could come back and get <laughs> no, one. No, you shut uh, up. We I, don't need uh, that. I do. I and I also, <laughs> you know, as they have done so much and so many great stories, which is important. I and, and this is why I think Reva is such an important character, and I'm glad they created her. Is there's choice. And, you know, faced with a massive horror and loss in your life, as, you know, the Jedi try to teach you, you have choice, just like Harry Potter was told by uh, by Sirius Black. You know, you may have all the qualities of somebody who appears to be evil. You may be able to do everything that they can do. It's the choice that makes a difference. And when they were showing yeah. her in the hood and showing, you know, uh, Anakin in the hood going to get the, you know, the younglings back in episode three, the choices were different. She said, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Whereas Anakin, with all the loss he was afraid of and all the fear that was going on with him, he actually could do it. And mm -hmm. that's the difference between and, the two of them. And I really liked how they showed that, you know, both of them could have gone down a road, but they went down different roads. Absolutely. So, uh, really, I love the series. Hopefully everyone out there does as well. Obviously, if you have your issues with it, you're going to have your issues with it. But Yeah, you are. I loved it. I know we said we're going to get to that more stuff, but we talked a lot longer Dang than it. I thought we would. That's all, all Vicky's fault. Well, okay. Well, we don't have to worry about that now, because now it is time for... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got for us? So, because I was on the internet just goofing around i mm -hmm. found this thing that was a whole list of things that you love that were accidents and I'm, as i'm reading there's a lot of nerdy things Aww. in here like me <laughs> like i don't know where to go so anyways they have stuff on here like chocolate chip cookies was like an accident because the person the baker didn't have any chocolate they only had like chocolate chips and they put them in and that's how they made chocolate chip cookies well those are fantastic so i'm down for that right uh the hulk is actually green because marvel's printers acted up <laughs> so originally the hulk was supposed to be gray so it wouldn't suggest any particular ethnic group the problem was when they saw the first issue the titular character looked like a big gloop of clay <laughs> who was a different shade on every page so messing up ah. gray seems hard but marvel's printers figured it out on the next issue they changed him to green and no one ever noticed that is actually really interesting Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty wild, you know, when you think of the evolution of him, also the evolution of the thing. Yeah. You know, and what, you know, how he, what, he didn't start out as rocks. What did he start off as? He was kind of a lumpy, he looked like lumpy clay. <laughs> Orange just, lumpy clay. It makes me think of Iceman, the OG one, where oh, he's just yes. like a big old, like, like a dude. Snowman. Like with snow all over him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah they, they, had to, they had to fix that guy. <laughs> dude, apparently there was almost a, uh, like, an Eric Draven, uh, was it Bru uh, Brandon Lee situation on the Fellowship of the Ring? What? So there, an actor, another actor, misjudged a throw with a knife and accidentally flung a real knife at Viggo Mortensen's face at high velocity, and Whoa. he managed to swing his sword and block the knife, creating another unintentional badass moment for the character. Wow. Yeah, and it looks like it was uh, one of the guys like dressed as uh, one of the or orcs. I think is what they were called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's oh, insane. Damn, oh, could that you would imagine? Be... Oh, that's horrific. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that he is apparently a good enough of a swordsman that to be able to deflect that. It honestly looks more like a baseball swing, like baseball bat swing. <laughs> ah, get away. He's just like, ah! Uh, but it was pretty badass. Another one where he, in the the Lord of the Ring movies where they take the hobbits, I think taking the hobbits to Isengard, to Isengard, if you know, you know. Uh <laughs> I think when he kicks a helmet, he actually breaks his toe, and that's why he lets out this big yell. Whoa. But he stayed in character, so it looked pretty epic, but really it was because he broke his toe. Jeez. Oh, damn. This one BJ probably knows. Yes. Star Trek's transporters were actually created due to bu- budget constraints. That's true. Really? Yeah, because they could they didn't have enough money to basically show them landing and taking off every time. Oh yeah, like that sort of stuff. Even mm-hmm. just like I mean, the Orville does that because they'll have the actual shuttles and stuff. They don't have transporter technology, mm-hmm. but transporters. Yeah, I just I remember going to the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum because they had a whole Star Trek exhibit mm-hmm. and they have the transporters and they did that technology. I mean, this is like seriously like thirty years ago, um, <laughs> but you could do that little transporter technology. Mm-hmm. and they make all the cool noises and they would Aww. do it. It was really sweet. Uh, it's a it's a cool thing thinking that that you know like one of the, the and of course the iconic line uh, beam me up Scotty all of that yep. uh, wouldn't be around if they had a couple more bucks because they <laughs> wanted to have you know, to be able to land shuttlecrafts and stuff like that but they was like we can't do this every week all right we'll just beam them down <laughs> yeah some kind of on the same vein the reason why Jason Voorhees wears a hockey mask is to save on makeup yeah so you know he basically. In the second Friday the 13th, he wears a big bag over his head, which was too close from the killer, the town who feared sundown. Uh, So for the producer, so they decided to give him some sort of face um, that would work on every shot. But the makeup team decided that they would just stick with the mask. Like, could you imagine how long Robert England had to sit for all that Freddy makeup? Dude, Yeah. yeah. And uh, spoiler alert, Stranger Things, how much time did he have to spend on makeup in the, for that series? Oh, yeah, for Vecna? Oh, oh right. A well, lot. Well, technically not Ve- Vecna. He's not Vecna. He's well, uh, the other guy. Yeah, yeah he, he is he what he is. Blind Billy. Yeah, everyone calls him Vecna, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I knew that Donkey Kong wasn't supposed to be the original name, um, but he apparently was, was supposed to be the hero, not the villain. The game manually clearly expressed that Donkey Kong was Mario's pet and he escaped because Mario mistreated him. Oh, oh. Wow. And that's why he was basically trying to keep Mario from getting him again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it was supposed to be Monkey Kong, but for yep. some reason there was a spelling yeah. error. <laughs> Translation a... is uh, kind of screwed up or something along those lines. And uh, this I did not know. I knew that the reason why Pac-Man was named Pac-Man was because the original name was going to be Puck. Yep, learned that from uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Right, and they didn't want people to vandalize it, but apparently Miss Pac-Man was created by hackers. So in 1982, two ah. MIT students created a game called Crazy Auto by modifying Pac-Man, a Pac-Man machine. In Midway, they liked it so much that they bought it from the students, or yeah, Midway, the people who created them. Yeah. And they replaced Auto with Pac-Man wearing a bow, and Miss Pac-Man was born. That's a that's amazing because that is by far the more superior of the Pac-Man games. And continuing on with games, the PlayStation was planned as an add-on for the S. 
S, I can never say it. S-N-E-S. Okay, yeah, the Super Nintendo Entertainment yep. System. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I always try to just say those letters, they never come SNES. out. SNES. SNES. <laughs> so at the 1991 CES, Sony launched a new console that was created with Nintendo, uh, an SNES, with a built-in CD-ROM drive. The oh. day after the announcement, Nintendo broke its deal with PlayStation and partnered with Philips instead. Oh. Jerks. And then they wah, went wah, with the wah, cartridge wah. mode for their Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. and Sony still kept up with the uh, the CD version. Wow. Uh, one more? Mm-hmm. How about... Mm, I like this one. Okay. Space Invaders. Ooh, Space Invaders. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know mm-hmm. this one. Okay. I know this one. Okay, so basically what had happened is, is that you know how the game gets faster as it gets lower? Mm-hmm. It's the reason why it got faster because it got low, because when it gets lowered and it's, it feels like it's supposed to be like a more difficulty sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But what it really was, sorry, it's stealing your thunder on this no, one. No, no, go for really it. Like you know it. it. You do um, it. It's because that more memory was being freed up in the system. And so the game was running faster because it had less aliens on the screen. So it had less memory to chug through to play the game. I mean, and oh, and it's I thought they popular. Were, yeah. Oh wow. And it wasn't, and it wasn't a difficulty reason, but it did make the game more difficult, and people actually liked it a lot more because of that. Well, let us know if you guys know any other things that uh, were accidents that turned out pretty awesome. <laughs> and please don't make it sad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.